Bibles this morning and turn to Colossians, please. Colossians, the fourth chapter. Well, we took three weeks to cover about eight verses, and I think we're gonna I think we're gonna take one Sunday to cover about fifteen verses. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm pretty confident we're gonna finish the book of Colossians today. And I've really, really enjoyed this. And uh, we spent the whole summer moving through this wonderful book of the Bible. And we've seen the theme all throughout. Uh, If you haven't been here for all of it, uh, what this book has taught us most of all is that Jesus comes first. He is first. And the, the key word is that preeminent. So let's say our theme verse together. It's Colossians 1, 16 through 18. I want you to, if you would, say this with me with enthusiasm and energy. This might just be our last week saying it together. So Colossians 1, 16 through 18 begin. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. In how many things? In all things. That Jesus is first and foremost in everything in our lives. Well, as we come to the last chapter, we pick it up in verse number two. So let's take a look at a few verses here, and we'll work our way through all of them. But let's just begin in verse number two, Colossians 4.2. Ready? It says, continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I, might, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Well, if you noticed in these first four verses that we've read, or these first three verses that we read, verse 2, 3, and 4, Paul is he's wrapping up the book. And as he wraps up most of his letters, and I refer to it as a book, but it really would have been a letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae. As he finishes it up, he really brings our attention back to the mission. He brings our attention back to the big why question. So for instance, just like the church at Colossae, We are not all that different on this Sunday morning because there would have been a Sunday morning just a little less than 2,000 years ago when in this this, um, Middle Eastern country, a group of believers gathered together on Sunday morning to worship God because Christians have been doing this since the very beginning. Don't take that for granted, by the way, that we are following in the footsteps of Christians who have gone before us since the time of Christ, as we gather together on Sunday morning. And just like we, we, we took a Bible, probably leather-bound, or maybe a digital version for some of you out there, but as we took our Bibles and we turned through, on that particular Sunday morning, the Colossian church would have opened or unrolled a scroll. 
And they would have said, hey, we got a letter from the Apostle Paul. And they would have read that carefully together. And they would have listened very intently. Well, we are not all that different. And as we gather, we've read about how important Jesus is and how important it is to know him personally in our lives. But then he answers, as I said a minute ago, the big why question. Why are we here? Why are you in this room today? Now, you may have come for all kinds of different reasons. Maybe you came today because your mom or your dad brought you here today, and that is why you came today. Well, that's not entirely a bad reason to be here. Maybe you're here because someone invited you, and you thought, well, this might be a good experience in my life. Or maybe you're here because you needed a, uh, you're, you're looking for that spiritual pick-me-up in the week to get you into Monday. And none of those are wrong reasons for being here. But they're not the ultimate reason for which Christ has gathered us. And what you're going to see here, I put a little statement really on the bottom front side of your handout today just to remind us all of our mission. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus, you have been called to a mission. Did you know that? Now, this is not something, and I'm going to say this right from the outset as I thought about this. For Christians to understand what their purpose is as Christians is not something that, that I have found can be easily taught. You say, well, it's a pretty short statement. That seems pretty easy to teach to me. But I've discovered over the years that it can be explained, it can be talked about, it can be pointed to, you can motivate regarding this, but something has to click in the mind of the Christian. Something, there's a there's a, there's a viewpoint that ha they ha a Christian has to come to this conclusion on their own. And I've seen it happen. I've seen a Christian all of a sudden say, wait a minute, now this is what my life is supposed to be all about. And sometimes that happens the minute a person becomes a believer. I've seen people, as soon as they trust in Jesus and they're forgiven of their sins, they say, wow, now I've discovered what the real purpose of my life is. But I've seen other Christians who they come to know Jesus, and they say, yes, I'm forgiven, I have a relationship with Christ, but sometimes it takes them months or years for them to realize, oh, oh, this is what my life is supposed to be about. And it doesn't take so long because nobody told them. It doesn't take so long because the, the pastor or Bible teachers never pointed it out to them. But for some reason, it just doesn't click in the mind of some Christians. Just what the purpose is. What is the mission that we've been called to? And I, wanna, I want to, to help you with this, if I can, this morning. If you and I would get a hold of what our mission is, it would solve all kinds of the problems we have in making decisions, in our relationships, in conflicts that we, a lot of things would be solved if we would understand what is it that Christ wants me to do? 
Look at the simple statement I put on here. And it's expressed multiple ways throughout the Bible, but I just wanted to give you the simplest statement. The simplest way to understand your mission as a Christian and my mission as a Christian is this. Let's read it together. Our mission is what? It is, out loud, to know Jesus and make him known together. Now, when I first wrote that down, I forgot part of it. Because I was trying to make it as short and simple. Now, could we, could we use a lot more words to describe this? Yeah, and you're like, yeah, you're going to preach a whole message for a while. On the, like, maybe we could just end right now. We got it. We're good. Got the message. We could say a lot more. But there was the one thing I almost forgot was the little word at the end. And what's that word at the end? Together. We are gathered here in this building. We are a church. We are an assembly of Christians who've come together for this purpose. Number one, it is to know Jesus. And you may be here as a guest today or as a casual attender even perhaps. You may be here and you may never have made that decision to personally know Jesus as your Savior. That's our first priority is to help people understand that this isn't a place where we just talk about Jesus, but this is a place where we endeavor to know Jesus personally, to have a personal relationship with him. That is the foundation of the Christian life. It is not to learn all of the Bible verses, to know all the stories and be good people. That's not the foundation. The foundation is to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and to grow in our knowledge of him. So our first purpose is that, but sometimes that's where Christians stop. The second part of our mission is not just to know Jesus, but what did I put here? But to what? To make him known. To take the Jesus that we love, the Jesus that we, who we know personally, and to share him with people in our community, with people we work with. We do that lots of different ways, and I hear about at all that hear about different people in our church that will tell me, hey, I talked about the Lord with my coworker, or I invited someone to church, or I gave a friend a book to read, or I shared a, I shared a, a video with my, with my coworker about how they could know Jesus. I hear about that all the time because that's what we are supposed to be as a church. Do you believe that? That we are here to know Jesus and make him known. But then the last part, and what we'll see as we go through the passage, is how do we do it? Together. Together. And that's why this body of believers, the local church, is so important. Now, I said it, so you know it. Your purpose is to know Christ and to make him known together with all of us. But I, there's no guarantee that that switch flipped in your heart and mind. Ask yourself the question. Does my life line up with the mission? I'll give you a, an example. I heard this a long time ago. In fact, it's very, it's very um, um, appropriate for today. And we're going to, uh, I, I was reminded bef before the service that uh, James Sumi is shipping out tomorrow for basic training and uh, eight weeks of that and then a few months of, uh, of training school, whatever, whatever they call it. I'm not up on it. But, so we're going to pray and ask God's blessing on him as he heads off after the service today. But I heard this illustration a long time ago. When you are in the military 
and I've never served, but if you're in the military, you may have a job that is unique, but you all have the same mission. To, to protect and defend the United States, I think, you know, from enemies, foreign and domestic, that is the mission of our armed forces. So if you went up to a, if you went up to a, um, a, a soldier and you said, so, so what are you? Well, first and foremost, I'd identify as a soldier, then maybe as the, in their particular branch of the armed services. But a soldier, it wouldn't be, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm a cook. Well, I, I knew Jim. Jim was a cook in the, armed, in the armed forces, right? He was. Served on a, served on a ship, right? That was your job, but was that your mission? The mission is to protect and to serve. You could be, you could say, well, I work in the technology, and you could name any job, but that is not the mission. It's the same in a church. We all have different roles. We all have different jobs, if you will, ways that we serve. But can I, can I share with you this? Like, we had an awesome group of people on the, on the platform today, and, and some that weren't on the platform, too, that serve in our music ministry. Are you thankful for them? Amen, church? They help us worship. And they sing. Is the music the mission? No. I'm standing up here and I'm teaching you the word of God. That's the role God has given me in the church. But is that the mission? No. It's an important tool, a job in the mission, but it's not. And you could go right down. In fact, we've had some new people volunteer to clean this building. That's an important job in the church. But that cleaning is to advance the mission, which is to know Christ and to make him known. Listen, when you understand that, when we understand that, a church can be unified. You understand what I'm saying? Because if, if I remember what the mission is, if I remember what the mission is, I'm not going to get distracted because I have a disagreement with you or you have a disagreement with me. We're not going to let that distract us because we are on a mission together. I want you to see three aspects to this kind of mission focus where Jesus comes first, his mission comes first. I want you to see three aspects of that this morning with me. First of all, one characteristic and one important part of this mission, and you'll see these on the back of your handout, is that God's people, that God's church be devoted in prayer. Devoted prayer. I want you to notice verse number two with me, at what Paul writes. In verse number two, Paul says to continue in prayer. Would you say that statement with me? Ready, begin. Continue in prayer. Now, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't just mean don't stop praying, although that would be accurate. But this word continue, it has the idea of persistence with it. If you study the Greek word out, it has the idea of a steadfastness an earnestness in prayer. He says, I need you, church, to be praying. We must pray. And a group of us went out yesterday inviting uh, boys and girls and families to come and be a part of our Wednesday night uh, kids program and our, our kids clubs. We went out, but before we did, we stopped and we were reminded that the most important thing that we would do that morning was not leave a flyer or knock on a door, but the most important thing that we would do is stop and pray for God to move. 
what are you you praying about? What does your prayer list look like? Now, you might find that there's uh, some health needs in your life. Should we pray for those things? Absolutely. The Bible says that we should be praying for all things. You might find that there's some health needs in your life that you're praying for. There might be some financial needs that you're lifting up to the Lord. But let me ask you this. How much time do you spend praying for the mission? How much time do you spend praying for the cause of the gospel through this church and through our missionaries? That's an important thing for us to be aware of. We are people of prayer. We're Christians. We just had an adult Bible study on that for the last couple of weeks on the importance of that prayer in our lives. But I want you to watch what happens as, as Paul explains this prayer. He says, I want you to continue in prayer, and I want you to watch in the same. And who said these words, watch and pray, before? Do you remember who said that? Watch and pray, that you enter not into temptation. That was Jesus right before the cross. So Paul is really echoing Jesus here. And he says, watch. In other words, be on guard. Prayer is so important. And that we come before God and pray. He says, watch. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. That's a great way to start our prayers. Is to begin with a thankfulness. God, you've blessed me so much. God, you are so good. God, I may not have everything that I think I want, but I am content with what you've given me. I am satisfied. Has God been good to you, friends? Is God good in your life? He is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And he says, as you start, as you come into this prayer, give him thanks. Contentment is the foundation of a blessed life. But then he says this, Now I want you to notice this. He gives a bit more specifics to how he wants them to pray. Verse number three, with all praying also, Paul says, I want you to pray also for us. Who is the us? Who is the us that Paul is referring to? He is referring specifically to the people who are on the mission. Paul's preaching the gospel. Paul's sharing his faith. Paul is traveling around the world, and at this very moment, Paul finds himself, do you know where? Somebody said it, I heard it. He's sitting in jail. You say, what did he do? What crime did he commit? He told people about salvation in Christ. He told people about salvation in Jesus. And he says, I want you to pray for me. That God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in, what's the word? Bonds. These aren't financial bonds. These are chains. So, like, we read these words in the Bible and they feel kind of like, they just sound biblical to us, right? You know what I mean by that? I mean, like, pray for me. Uh, that I will speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Get a mental picture. His arms or his legs or both are chained to a stone wall in a dark, stinking Roman jail cell with the drip drop of the moisture 
and the sound of the rats scurrying across the floor. And in that, what does Paul ask them to pray for? What would you ask? What would you put on your prayer list? It's kind of like the, the, the obvious one. And, and of course, I'm sure they were praying for that. But what would be first and foremost, please, 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 please pray that I will get out of here. Is that what you would be praying? That's what I would be praying. Now, obviously, that's given. I'm sure they're praying for that. But in his letter, in this condition where he finds himself, he says, pray that I'll be able to do what? Pray that I can do what? Speak. Pray that God would open a door. And not a door to walk through, but a door, an opportunity. Pray for God to give me opportunities to speak the gospel. This is a mission-focused prayer. Now, you and I, if the apostle, let me encourage you with this. If the apostle Paul can say, God, while I'm chained to this wall, give me an opportunity to share Christ with someone. If he can say that, while I'm chained to the wall, give me an open door, then surely you and I can say, God, in my air-conditioned office, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. Right? We can. We can say, God, God, in my school, and I, listen, a, a lot of our, some of our students go to Christian school. Some of our students in our church go to are homeschooled. Some of our students are in public school. If you go to a public school or a public college or university, it's, that could be the hardest place to share your faith in all of our country. But you know what? I want all the teenagers, all the college students, you to think, you know what? If the Apostle Paul could speak boldly in prison, I can speak boldly in my school for Jesus. Hey, but it's not just the students that go to public school. Some of you are in Christian school as well. Not every student in your Christian schools or Christian colleges even are, want to hear about Jesus. But we can be bold because we can remember our mission. Our mission is to know Christ and make him known. So he says, pray that there would be an open door. You know, I, I love that picture of the open door. There's a, there was a church in the ancient city of Philadelphia. Not the modern city of Philadelphia, but the, uh, the Asia Minor city of Philadelphia. You can read about it in the book of Revelation. Philadelphia is going to be, I think, in chapter 2. No, no, chapter 3, I think. Revelation chapter 3 talks about the church in ancient Philadelphia. And God says to the church, I have set before you an open door. Can I share something with you, church? God has set before us as a church an open door. There's an open door. I was thinking, I've been thinking about all of the opportunities that God has given us to, to know Christ and to make him known. I thought about the fact that over the last five years, we have seen our children's ministry core of workers and volunteers just expand tremendously. And I thought we have a wonderful, a wonderful um, Wednesday night outreach to share, to make Christ known with children. We have wonderful Sunday school classes and a wonderful junior church. 
It's an open door. And I'm just thinking maybe we ought to be more intentional and say, God, God, would you please, would you please help us find people to walk through that door? And I mean, God, would you send families to this church so that we could share the gospel with them? God, would you give opportunities for us to see our children's and teen ministries grow? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you, don't raise your hand, and I don't, I, this, the point of this isn't a guilt trip, it's a checkpoint, because I need this too. So what I'm about to say, if I were to say, raise your hand if you prayed for our children's outreach or our youth outreach this week, how many of you right now, don't do it, but how many of you would be able to raise your hand and say, yeah, I prayed for that this week? Right? That's the mission. There's more open doors. We had a, just, we've got a, a group of ladies in the church that have said, you know what? We're going to have a women's ministry. And we might have a week with a whole, we might have a month where a whole lot of ladies show up, and we might have a night where a handful show up, but either way, we, we believe that that is an opportunity. Did you pray for that open door? You see, the, the mission is not about us. And I could take that all, I was so excited this fall, uh, or no, this summer, some of the young adults in our church, they came to me and they said, hey, we would like to see that ministry expand. We would like to see it grow. We want to reach more people in our age group. And we've got an awesome group of young adults here. And I said, do it. Let's go for it. Let's make it happen. And so they've been meeting every other Thursday. And they said, hey, we want to take a special, a special Thursday night. And we want to try to reach more people. So church, you're like, well, I'm not a young adult. I'm not involved in that ministry. Oh, yes, you are. How? In prayer. And we forget sometimes how to pray, don't we? The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. If we stop and think about it, and if we would just say, and maybe we'll put this on the prayer list on Wednesday nights, open doors. And list out all the open doors of, of ministry that God has given us that we can pray for. But you know what else? There's more open doors. Some of you, you're sharing the gospel with your coworker, or you're inviting a friend, or there's a family that's on your heart. Do you know what that is? That's a open door. And so we've got to come together and we've got to pray for those things. We've got to pray. And I could go, to, I could keep going. There's a whole list of things that we could be praying for. Maybe you have a, and I've just thought, God, and obviously as a pastor, I want to see a church grow. I want to see a church move forward. But you should have that same desire as the people of God. Amen? That that's our heart, that's because this is ours. But then I always have to ch check my heart and say, God, wait a minute. I, I, it's not about me. It's not about us just making things happen. We need to get to where the Apostle Paul said, God, open the door for us. Make a way. Make a place. And so I'm going to ask you as a church to commit to faithful prayer for the mission. To commit to faithful prayer for God to continue to do his work. Jesus says, you have not because you, because you ask not. The early church, you'll find from the very beginning, they devoted themselves to prayer, to the word of God, and breaking bread. You find that in the book of Acts. They devoted themselves daily to prayer, to the, to the word, and to breaking bread together. That's simple Christianity. Devoted prayer. But it doesn't, it starts with prayer, but it doesn't end with prayer. 
He says in verse number four, just be praying that I can, verse number four, he says that he wants to know exactly what to say, exactly how I should speak. Listen, I need you to pray for me as I preach, okay? Anybody ever heard a pastor say the wrong thing from the pulpit? Anybody ever heard me say the wrong, don't raise your hands, okay? Say the wrong thing. It happens, okay? And so you need to be praying for the preaching of your word, but you need to pray for the Sunday school teachers as well. You need to pray for anyone who is going to open the book and explain the teachings. Because what, what an awesome responsibility that is. Pray for the open doors. But it doesn't end with prayer. It continues. And look at verse number five. Verse number five, he moves on. And he says, now, also, don't just continue in prayer, but look at verse number five. Let's read this very first statement together. Out loud with me. Ready? Begin. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Now, that doesn't mean without resources. It means outside. Walk in wisdom to those who are outside. Outside of what? Outside of what? The church. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Verse number six, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer who? Every man. Part of the mission is that you and I represent Jesus outside. You and I, we carry the name Christian, don't we? I got to go with some of our teenagers yesterday. Alex, you'll, you'll remember this yesterday. because We had our t-shirts on, right? And I'm teaching the guys how you know, we're going to do our outreach for, the, for him and Elijah and Gideon. How we're going to do our outreach for our bus ministry and our, our kids club. And I was like, hey, you're wearing the t-shirt. Who are you representing? And they got it right the first time. Because I thought they might say the church, because it was a church t-shirt. But they said, we're representing God. Yeah, 100%. But then I reminded them and myself that it's not a t-shirt. It's our lives. We carry the name Christian. And so back in number, verse number 5, back in uh, verse 5, could I paraphrase this verse? Be careful how you live publicly. Be careful how you live publicly. Because when you live publicly, you publicly represent who? You represent Jesus Christ. Would outsiders look at your life and say, yeah, that looks like a Christian. And in our generation, in our day and age, we, we, have, we have more public lives than could have ever imagined, than we could have ever imagined. Some of you who are a little bit older, could you have ever, when you were a kid, could you have ever imagined how many people you could share a picture of your lunch with in one day, in one moment? Could you ever have imagined? So... Can I be, I'm going to be a little, a little hard here, okay? Your or my 
argument on Facebook is a message for all the world to say, this is how Christians live. Right? Do you think, do you think I'm going beyond this scripture with that application? Walk in wisdom. Speak with wisdom. Post with wisdom. Comment with wisdom. Share with wisdom. Because what is our mission? Our mission is to know Christ and what? Make him known. Is this helping the cause of Christ? Or is it needlessly pushing people away from Jesus? But again, I have observed this in my life. I've seen, I have witnessed pastors or teachers stand up and say, hey, be really thoughtful about your posting and you represent Jesus. And I've heard it. And then within hours, I have seen people who are listening to the same message as me completely disregard that advice. Why? Because this, is, this whole idea of living on mission, it's not something that I, I can just say, oh, there we go, we learned it, check, now we know how to live as Christians. Something has to, to that switch has to flip inside. We say, wait a minute, my life is about Christ. That's what it's for. It's about him. It's about pointing. It's about knowing him and pointing others to him. That's what, I, that's what I'm here for. And there's no better thing to live for. There's no happier, more fulfilled life. I need to be aware of my public testimony. But then this wonderful phrase that you, this Greek phrase that you see in the scriptures a couple of times, they had this statement and they would literally say, buy, purchase time. Don't you wish you could buy some time? Like, really? As life goes on, as I see my kids grow up, and the, those, speaking of social media, those time-lapse things, not time-lapse, those um, time-hop things, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, 10 years ago, and, and all the moms are just like, oh, it's so funny, right? You know what I'm talking about. You wish you could just buy a little bit of time. And so the Greeks had this phrase to redeem the time, to buy the time. And, and what it means in our vernacular is this, make the most of every moment. Make the most of every opportunity. Because time is short. Time is short. And part of living on that mission, we pray. We are careful in our lives and how we live. We make the most of every moment, of every opportunity. How many of you have, have you've been with somebody and a conversation has turned a certain way, and then you, 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 afterwards you look back and you're like, man, I had the perfect opportunity to talk about Jesus with that person, and I missed it. How many of you, have, that's happened to you? But do you know why that happens? Well, for one thing, it's because you're a human being with a brain that doesn't work fast enough all the time. So give yourself a little bit of a break, all right? But sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens because... You see, if I wake up in the morning and I remember what my purpose is, I'm going to see the opportunities when they come ahead of time. I've done this, and it's a habit that I really need to make more consistent in my life. But I have, there have been seasons in life where I've said, Lord, give me an opportunity today to share the gospel. Anybody ever prayed that before? 
Okay, you said, God, give me... This is what I've experienced in my life. When I pray that prayer, do you know how often I've experienced it being answered? 100% of the time. And do you know why it is? Because all the Lord does is show you all of the opportunities you've been missing all along. Like, there was one. There was one. God, give me... But this is, again... I need to be, you need to be, we need to be brought back to this sense of purpose from time to time. Wouldn't you agree that we get distracted? We get distracted. And there's like, life is hard, right? Sometimes, sometimes it's just like, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay all my bills this month. Anybody been there before? I don't know how I'm going to make all this stuff make sense. And it's so hard in all of that to forget what am I doing here. But let's go back to one of our heroes, the Apostle Paul, and remember where he's praying this. Chained to the wall. He can say these things because he knows his mission. He knows his purpose. So for the Christian, for the believer, the mission is about devoted prayer, careful conduct. Look at the last thing he says about our conduct. Verse number six, let your speech. Be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Now, there's a lot of elements about our speech here. There's a lot that could be said about our speech. Anybody here, it was hard for you to clean up your language after becoming a Christian? You know what I'm talking about? And for, for some people, it takes a while. Why? Because it's not just a spiritual thing. Sometimes it's a muscle memory thing. Your mouth is just so, your brain and your mouth are just so used to going back to those words, they're hard habits to break. So give yourself some grace there, trust God, prayer, and, and God will clean it up. But at the same time, this isn't just talking about bad language. This is talking about how you speak to other people. What, you, what are you using your words for? Can I, I'll give you one example. And we could go down a thousand illustrations of this. Do you think that the biggest complainer in the office would have much of an impact telling people about Jesus? No. Do you think the person who gossips all the time is going to have a big impact for the cause of God? Are people going to take their words seriously? No. This is where like, our Christian life just hits the pavement of where we live. And I'm like you. I struggle with all these things. So we need to get there too. That's why it's written to us. If we just became Christians and it was like, ta-da, now you do everything right. Well, we wouldn't even need the New Testament, would we? Because we would just have it automatically. But this is given us to us for us to say, okay, yeah, boy, these are some areas of my life. Because it's all about the mission, the cause of Christ. And then the last thing I want you to notice is, and I'm, I'm going to go through this quickly, but look at the names. I want you to notice this, that the cause of Christ, the mission that we're on, it's about devoted prayer, being careful in our conduct, but also we need, remember that last word, together? Knowing Christ and making him known together. We need faithful friends. Look at how Paul describes them. Verse 7. Let's just read through this and notice a few names here. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. Who is a, how is he described? As a what? A beloved brother 
Anybody, is there anybody in your life that would write that about you? Oh, that's a beloved brother. How else is he described? And a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. But it wasn't just Tychicus. Verse number 9, there's another guy. His name was Onesimus, a faithful and, what's it say? Beloved brother. Who is one of you? Apparently he's from there. There's a whole study we could do on Onesimus. He, he occurs elsewhere in the Bible. If you want to do a little study afterward, circle that name and look it up. There's a cool backstory there. He's a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So in other words, with the letter, these guys are coming. I'm sending my friends with, with the letter. Aristarchus in verse 10. Look at this guy. Aristarchus, my, how is he described? Fellow prisoner. Paul found himself in trouble for the gospel, and there was someone that said, Paul, if they arrest you, they're going to have to arrest me too. And I'll stand by you. Boy, when you are on mission like that, petty disagreements can't divide you. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth, saluteth you. And now look at this. And this next guy's name is Marcus. Sister's son to Barnabas. Touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, I want you to what? I want you to receive him. This is really interesting. Circle that name too, because he's mentioned in the Bible. Mark, way back when Paul was a young evangelist, he had no time for Mark. You're like, how do you know? Because he and Barnabas got into an argument. They were like, Mark, he's a quitter. I don't want him with me. Well, years have passed, and Mark has grown up. And Paul's grown a little too. And he says, oh, Mark, he's faithful. He's a friend. Receive him. Look how many friends Paul has. What verse am I on? 11. And Jesus, who was a pretty common name. It's the name Joshua, Yeshua. Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. So these were Jewish friends. These only are my fellow, what? Fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a what? A comfort unto me. Just think about describing the church. If your name came up in conversation in a list like this, would you be described as, yeah, that's a fellow servant. That's somebody who's been a comfort. That's somebody who's been a real encouragement. A pa uh, what are we, 12? Yeah, let's go 12. Epaphras who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. He's praying for you, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a, a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Verse number 14. This is a cool one. What's his name? Luke, the beloved physician. There's all types in this work of the gospel. Here's a guy who could have made a career as a physician. But what does he do with his medical training? And I know his medical training was different than modern medicine. But still, either way, he takes his gift. 
he takes his education and he travels with Paul. You see, this isn't just for professional ministers. Luke's training is not theological, it's medical. But he devotes it to the cause of Christ. We have many people in our church that have education, they have careers, yet they devote so much of their time to serving in the church. What are you doing? You, you understand the mission. It's, it's amazing. Here's a sad one. Luke, the beloved physician, and what's this next name? Demas, greet you. There's not a lot said about Demas. Sadly, a few books of the Bible late, later, do you know what we find out about Demas? He walks away. He gives up. And for centuries, in sermons like this, Demas's reputation is that he abandoned Paul. At one point he was faithful, but then he abandoned his friend. But then there's others. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. Isn't that cool? Nymphus obviously had what? Big house. He had a big house. And then we got a big. Oh, we won't do that, but. <laughs> You, you always, this is, Nate, this is our thing. It's God's house, right? God's truck. This, all this stuff belongs to God. And Nymphus said, hey, where's the church going to meet? Come on over to my place. We'll have church at my house. That's amazing. This is, this is just what the Christian life is all about. It's about the mission and understanding how important the mission is. And the church was, which is in his house... Verse 16, and when this epistle is read among you, hey, you've got some friends at a church in another city. I want you to get the letter to them too. And they've got another letter from me and I want you to get that from me. There's a communion even outside of their local church. There's both. And then verse 17, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. Apparently, this guy was struggling a little bit. And he needed somebody to come along and say, hey, just hang in there. Keep doing what God's called you to do. And then these beautiful words at the end. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul. Remember my bonds. Don't forget about me, if you would. Don't forget. It's, I think here Paul's just reminding them that I might sound like the mighty strong apostle, but Life gets hard for me, too. It's not easy being chained to this wall. I mean, think of how trite that sounds, just me saying it. Remember my bonds. And then he finishes with this wonderful statement. Would you say it with me? At the very end, he says, Grace be with you. Amen. Grace be with you. Amen. Do you know what it's going to take? Do you know what it will take? To, for a whole church to understand the mission, to be in prayer. Don't pack up on me yet. Do you know what it's going to take for a church to understand the mission? To be in prayer, to be together, to order our lives. It's going to take grace. It's going to take the supernatural power of God in our lives. For us to remember, we are here to know Christ and to make him known. So, 
I've got to ask you, did that thinking switch? Maybe you've already been there. Maybe you're like, no, I understand that. I understood that, and I just needed to be reminded of that today. But I just wonder if there's anybody in here that thinks, you know what? Yeah, that's what my life is all about. What, great, what else could there be to live for than the cause of Christ? Maybe you need to hear at the end of the service today, maybe you need to stop and you need to say, Lord, just help me to day by day reorder my life to get it in line with your purpose for me, to get it in line with your mission. And if that's the decision you need to make today, make it. Come to a point where you say, no, I've been, I've been living this Christian life backwards. I've been focused on me and what I can get out of it. Lord, I'm going to get, put the focus back on you. So that's a decision that I'd encourage you to make today. But maybe you're here, and like I said at the beginning, there was that whole statement about, do you know Christ? Have you started your Christian journey? Because all of this, all of this, it's not, it's not that like, okay, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get all these things right, and then maybe God will accept me. No. The fact is this. Jesus died for me. Jesus paid for my sin. There was a day in my life where I called on him as my Savior. Then he changed my life. Has that happened for you? Has there been a moment in your life where you came to Jesus you admitted your sin, you told him you believed in him, and you asked him to save you. If that's never happened, that's the decision you need to make. Today, you need to put your faith in Christ. So what we do right now is we have a time of prayer. It's not, it's, it's not a blank out and the service time, it's a thoughtful time. So I'd encourage everybody right now, if you would with me, bow your heads and close your eyes. Don't look around. Don't be, try not to move around. Let's just make this a focused time. Is there anyone here who would say, Pastor Ethan, I am actually not sure that I have begun my Christian life. I'm not positive I've ever received Jesus as my Savior. But I would like to make sure this morning if that's you, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. This is a prayer by which you can put your faith in Jesus. It happens in your heart. It doesn't, it, it, there's no magic words that make you a Christian. But if in your heart you're ready to receive Christ, you can pray something like this. Just pray this with me in your, in your seat or wherever you're watching now. Just say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. I ask you to save me. I can't save myself. I can't be good enough. But my faith is in you. My faith is in you, Jesus. If you pray that prayer this morning... No one's looking around, but I'd like to pray for you. If, you. if you said, Pastor Ethan, yes, right now, I just prayed to make sure that my faith was in Jesus. Just quickly, would you put your hand up and put it down? Thank you. See that hand? Amen. That's the most important decision you can ever make in your life. That's what it's all about. Knowing Jesus. 
But now Christians, how many of you with just a quick upraised hand would say, Pastor Ethan, I know that I've received Christ as my Savior. I know I know Him. Amen. Amen. Now, how many of you would say, God spoke to my heart today about the mission? Yeah. You say, I, hands up all over the building. You say, I need to refocus. I need to reorient my life to God's mission. Well, as Deborah and Aaron just play some soft music behind us, we get ready to end our service. Would you make the decision right now? Just tell the Lord. In this time of prayer right now, tell God, Lord, I'm repurposing. I'm rededicating. I'm refocusing. Lord, I pray that you'd be working in this room. I pray, God, that you'd be working in this church. Lord, you have set before us a wide open door. It's our responsibility to walk through, to trust you, to ask you, to believe you. So, Lord, make us a courageous people. Make us a faith-filled people. Lord, I pray that if there's things that are holding us back in our personal lives, that we would surrender those to you. Give them back to you, Lord. Lord, you've been so good to us, and it's just so exciting to serve you and to see what only you can do. Lord, I pray your blessing on this church. Lord, I pray that you would send new people to our body, people that need to be saved, Lord. I thank you for the one that put their trust in you this morning. Lord, I pray that your hand would be on their life, help them to grow and know you. But there's so many around us that need the gospel. So many that, that need your love. Use us, Lord. Use us in a mighty way. Build this church for your honor, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to end the service, but I said we would pray a blessing, uh, ask God's blessing on James. So I'm going to ask if the Sumis would come on up and let's pray for God to just work in your life, James. And as you take this big step... And uh, boy, aren't you thankful for the armed forces of the United States of America? Amen. And uh, that we still, we still have uh, young men and women who will uh, step up, they will sign up, and they will say, hey, I will, I will represent this country. And so we're thankful, and we want to pray that God will bless you. You're going to face new challenges and new temptations, but new opportunities, and um, you will be you will be um, on a different mission, but don't forget that it's still the same mission to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for James. And Lord, we thank you for the decision that he's made, uh, this next step of his life. We pray that your hand would be on him, that you'd bless him as he goes into training for first these first eight weeks. Please give him strength and determination. Lord, put your hand on him. Help him to uh, just walk with you and be an example of you to those he serves with. I pray as he goes uh, in the following months into his schooling and training that uh, you would bless him. Lord, we send him off, Lord, with Godspeed on behalf of our church. And Lord, we just pray that you'd be with him, that you'd walk with him and cause your grace to shine upon him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Thank you. so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. 
We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.